Today's episode is going to be dealing with children's deliverance ministry that's in the modern deliverance movement. This episode may be disturbing for some people, so if this is one that you want to skip, I totally understand. I just want to prepare you ahead of time that there may be some clips that I play that are disturbing in nature. Come here. I'm speaking to the demons. Yes, demons can be in even children, and Jesus is setting children free too today. What do you think you're doing tormenting this child? You can no longer be in this child tormenting his mind. You must leave this child. I break every generational curse off of him now, off of his mother, off of his father now, off of his grandparents now. I command you on three. Every single spirit, demonic spirit in this boy must leave him in Jesus' name. One, two, three, out of this boy forever now. Thank you, Jesus. You are free. Thank you, Jesus. And I declare on three, every spirit attached to what she renounced, every spirit of autism and mental sickness must leave in Jesus' name. One, two, three. life is different far better far better he has more um focus hallelujah do you want to share how you feel different well it all started after i met you i decided to change a lot this is jesus that has done everything the miracle in your life jesus loves you so much hun my name is savio i am suffering from autism when i met to Bible church i changed from being bad to good and after that I stay good for my rest of my days. My son Savio uh, was delivered from um, autism spectrum disorder. When I came to Fivefold Church, uh, I have seen a big difference when um, Apostle Catherine prayed over him. Um, he made a, a special noise which used, he used to make when the spirit attacked him. All of a sudden, you know, he said, sound and then say oh what happened to me something left what what happened so i was so shocked that you know this is kind of a spirit bothering him i didn't know that it's a, i thought it's a sickness um slowly i realized my son is so different more focused uh, be, before that when we ask him to pray he kind of rebellious and he get mad and you know sometimes he hurt me, but now he is so obedient, he is more into the word of God. Uh, it's amazing what Jesus, and uh, the key point is you have to be at the right place with the people with anointing. It's very important for your deliverance and follow the instruction by them. Did you know that children can have demons? Some people don't even believe a Christian can have a demon, much less a child. But in the Bible, we see clearly on more than one occasion, Jesus casting out demons from children. We see it more than once. And so we know that the enemy wants to attack children when they're defenseless, when they don't know. Sometimes children even have a demonic influence upon their life in the mother's womb, rejection, identity issues. Some of these things happen in utero. I want to equip you along with my special guest to deal with demonic issues in your children. We've created a special program called Deliver Your Children from Evil. Four classes. You don't want to miss this. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. Oh boy. Well, I wish I could tell you that I was looking forward to doing this episode. This is something I've wanted to talk about for a while, 
but I have been putting it off because it is uh, very disturbing to see some of these videos and to watch them and even doing the research and looking through them. Uh, you can find numerous videos, uh, mainly from Catherine Crick, which were the first couple that I played. You will see videos that she has utilized on her YouTube channel, which when I post the videos for these on my YouTube, I'm going to do my best to blur out the kids' faces because I don't want to exploit them. And um, I find these situations very sad, to say the least, of what is going on. There was, there was even one clip um, that I will show on the YouTube video when I post it. But I won't play the sound. The sound is really distorted, and there's a translator in, in the background. But there's a young man that comes up with his infant, and he uh, is saying that she failed her hearing test. And Crick is getting him to renounce, asking him if he wants to renounce anything. And the title of the video, uh, she's basically taking credit and saying that the baby wa uh, was set free from demons at this service, an infant. And you heard Jennifer LeClaire. That was the last clip you heard. Jennifer LeClaire was selling uh, three years ago on one of her videos. She was selling her deliverance teachings. And you can actually find these online when you go to look at them. But she was telling people that you know, they needed to know how to cast demons out of their children, how to recognize demons in their children. And even if you look on her website, um, it's an ongoing course that she offers in deliverance up to year six. And she has these labeled out. And again, I'll show these on the YouTube video. But um, on here, you can see for year one, year two, year three is where you find out about Children's Deliverance 101, uh, Hidden Doors to Demonization in Children and Teens, Discerning if Your Child Has a Demon, Casting Demons Out of Children. And it goes on to different topics from there. But uh, you can pay $29 a month uh, to take these ongoing courses and you can begin at any year. So you don't have to begin at year one. You can go on to, into year three, but you can either pay the $29 a month or for an ex get extra value, it says on her website, by enrolling at a discounted $300 per year rate. To learn about deliverance, if you don't know where these things come from, I'm going to tell you about a source that's quite popular in this movement that you may or may not be familiar with. And uh, I may not be telling you anything new. Main book that we're going to talk about today, there's a chapter in there on children's deliverance. And I'm actually going to be looking at another video today that someone had shared with me and a lady had emailed it to me. And it has to do with Jenny Weaver. I'm going to cover this today. Again, just the teaching, not addressing personally. Jenny, I uh, want to look at the teaching because this is equally disturbing. So not only is there be the belief of children's deliverance, and this was not something that was heavily focused on when I was in this movement. This is becoming more prevalent. It was talked about, but it was not focused on. This is something that we're starting to see the rise of it with this, this teaching. You'll see Isaiah Saldivar teach on it, Daniel Adams. You'll see uh, uh, Vlad Savchuk. You'll see numerous people. So Jenny teaches on it as well. In fact, Jenny was at the service in the very first clip that I played at the beginning of the intro here today, Jenny was at this service. She was ministering alongside Catherine Crick at the time in this service. And all these children were coming up and then the children were taking the microphone and, um, you know, saying that, that people needed to pray for others and anoint them and to be set free and saying different things. And some of them were things that they were saying were truthful um, but I, I get concerned when there's children that are coming up and they're saying things like this because I don't think that they fully grasp what they're saying. And I'm, I'm going to just offer some insight to this. I know that this can be a very touchy subject. And if there's people that agree with deliverance and even uh, the, the clip that I played about autism, that was really sad to me as well. I know Greg Locke has been on record of, of saying that uh, people that have children with uh, autism, that they're dealing with demons, and that if they don't like that, they can leave his church. I mean, he's been very volatile in making statements like that. And I have such compassion uh, when I hear these types of things being said. It's heartbreaking because you have parents that if they hear this, they think, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? So now it's my fault because you'll even hear Isaiah Saldivar, I came across uh, teaching he was doing, and he was basically saying that kids have demons in them because of poor parenting. The parents are not being the safeguards 
I can understand what he's saying to a certain point. I want to be fair in saying, yes, there are parents that are not safeguarding their children and what they watch and things, but that doesn't mean that every single child has demons. And and we go back to this whole thing. They'll take a couple of scriptures and we'll just touch on those today. I understand that there's accountability for parents, but like I said, you cross into this realm where now you're saying, well, my my child's poor attitude or their conduct is demonic. And they're all encouraging. All of these deliverance ministers will encourage, cast demons out of your children. They're not presenting the gospel. They're not talking about proper discipline of your children. They will mention that. They will mention it, the word discipline, uh, and how parents are not disciplining their children. Again, they're making true statements. There needs to be a, a, a solid biblical discussion with our children. When we're talking about sin and we're talking about rebellion, you can't cast the spirit of rebellion out. I just want to <laughs> I just want to go to that right there. There was another clip that I heard I didn't play because the audio was bad. But Catherine Crick was casting out an alleged demon out of this child and she was saying that the spirit of rebellion had to leave. And a lot of times you'll hear her consistently every time almost say that she breaks every generational curse because she's an apostle. She says she's an apostle, which she's not an apostle. But she will say that she's breaking every generational curse and she's breaking the spirit of witchcraft, but she's casting out the spirit of rebellion. And I've heard these same deliverance ministers say that you can't cast out the flesh, but yet they're going to cast out the spirit of rebellion that's tied to sin, which is against God. And that is not a demon. That's the sinful nature that we're all born with when we enter this world because of Adam's sin against God in the garden. I want to discuss some of these things, discuss what Jenny Weaver's teaching. And one of the biggest things that really concerns me, in addition to the whole belief of deliverance ministry, Jenny holds this what's called a core kids TV. So she has videos that she uploads to her YouTube channel and they're directed towards children. And the children that are part of CORE, they're there because their mother or their father is part of CORE. And so in order for a child to be a part of CORE kids, their parent has to be paying to be part of CORE group, which is $20 a month. And basically um, referring to that, when she tells the kids, you know, we have these uh, revival camps that we have, and she's having these uh, Zoom meetings and things of fire of night of fire, and they're she's saying that the children are casting demons out of other kids and all this stuff. But in order for the children to attend, the stipulation in there is that uh, they have to be their parent has to be part of core group. So if you want to get down to brass tags, I mean that's that's the thing is that the parent has to be a paying participant of core group, and then the children can be in there for free is what it looks like, but it's not really free. And then along with that, they're being taught about all these spirits and witchcraft and everything. Jenny, I've talked about this before, Jenny, the things that she teaches the kids, she even has a core curriculum and they're learning these things. She wants to implement some of these things in Sunday schools at churches for kids. And there's a lot of focus on the demonic. I mean, even when you look through the videos, I was thinking, I have yet to see a video that's addressing the gospel, the gospel according to scripture. You're telling children that they need deliverance done. And so that's the video I was sent is that she made a core kids TV video and was instructing the children on deliverance and why they need deliverance, the importance of deliverance and the definition. And so we're going to look at some of the things that she said. And uh, I'll refer to two of the verses that, that many of these deliverance ministers like to go to. And that's the ones that they, in order to look at these two verses, that's what they make it prescriptive that now all children need deliverance. Now, again, they may say, well, we don't believe that. But when you're telling people that listen to you, well, you need to cast demons out of your children. And then you need to cast the spirit of rebellion out and you need to deal with the demon of lust and anger and all these other things, then again, you're applying your belief of deliverance to children. So th they believe that across the board, and that's what they teach. So all that being said, we're going to take a look at this right now. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about deliverance, deliverance for kids, deliverance for adults, deliverance for everybody, deliverance for cats. 
Hello. Deliverance for dogs. Deliverance for everybody. No, I'm just kidding about cats and dogs, but kind of cats are actually, actually probably do need it. Make sure that you come prepared with your sword. Hold up your sword if you got it. Come on. This is how we learn the word. This is how we know God. And this is how we fight the devil. And it's how you combat aberrant teaching and false teaching, such as deliverance to children and casting demons out of them on a regular basis. Let's keep going. So we have to have our sword. Today I'm going to talk to you about deliverance. I know some of you know what it is, but some of you might be going, what is deliverance? What is deliverance? And so deliverance is something that we find in the Bible. And it is basically where Jesus, the power of God, makes demons come out of a person and go to the pits of hell where the demons belong. Demons don't belong walking it up and through your house. They don't belong in your body, making you sick, making you depressed, making you full of rage. They don't belong there. We need to put them in the places that they belong, which is back to the pits of hell. Okay, let's talk about this for a little bit because this is a good stopping point uh, to park here for a, a moment and to address some of the things she said. So again, this is on the Core Kids TV on her YouTube, and this is one of the videos she's providing for the children to learn in what she wants them to learn in core group. And so she's teaching these children about the importance of deliverance. In fact, the title of the video is called Core Kids Revival TV Deliverance for Kids. And so she's making this of importance that they need to know. And again, when you look at the playlist for the Core Kids TV, you're going to notice that a good chunk of the videos for kids is addressing something in the demonic, whether it's witchcraft, whether it's certain objects, whether it's ghosts, whether it's, I mean, you know, you can go down through there and you can see that there is a huge focus on the demonic. There's no video. Again, I'm going to reiterate this because as always, this is the drum I'm going to beat on these types of teachings. Where is the gospel being presented in this? Now, Jenny's argument would probably be that the gospel is being presented because she's going to go on in this video to say that Jesus's ministry, a big chunk of his ministry, was casting demons out of people. Is that the gospel? Is that the presentation of the gospel? The, the full gospel, according to people that hold the beliefs in, in this movement, they believe the full gospel is that you do miracles, signs, and wonders. And if you don't do those things along with proclaiming the name of Christ, then you're not preaching the full gospel. But the full gospel has not been presented in this video, and I will say that with certainty, because there is no presentation of telling children that they are in need of a Savior, and this Savior died on the cross for them in their sin and rebellion against God, and that he rose from the grave in the call of repent and believe. That is not mentioned in this video, and we'll talk more about that at the end, because I think that's something that we probably try to shy away from with children, because we don't want to come to the reality of, of understanding our children are sinners. They're not born again when they come out of the womb. They're born into sin. And as such, they need the gospel. They need to hear the gospel as much as anybody else does, both adult and child. So we don't come out saved. And I think some of us have had that false misconception at times. And we don't look at our children as that of needing Christ, but they are in need of Christ. It cannot enter the kingdom of heaven without the gospel. So uh, she, one of the things she says, I want to address here, she defines deliverance in, in this way. I'm going to quote her. She says, it is where Jesus makes demons leave people's bodies and puts them in the abyss where they belong. So my question, I have questions uh, as, as I normally do. And I hope that you have questions as well. When you listen to this, whoever's saying it doesn't matter if it's Jenny or whoever it is. Whenever you hear someone teaching this, and they're teaching this to children, then we need to be asking some questions here, such as if teachers such as Jenny and others have the power to place demons in the abyss in the name of Jesus, why are people continuing to need deliverance from these same demons? I mean, if they're powerful enough to cast these demons into the abyss, then why are they continuing to have people that are grappling with the same, quote, demons and they have millions of people, multitudes of people that they're dealing with in these ministries. And I want to use that term loosely, ministries. 
to set people free. I mean, if you had people that were really walking in freedom, and you'll see these books, and we've talked about them, that people will write and say, get this book or get this, get this uh, teaching, this audio teaching, and learn how to be free forever. Get this book. Learn how to be free forever. That's an empty promise. That's a waterless cloud is what that is. Because you can't promise somebody that in this world and say, you'll always walk in victory and you'll always walk in freedom according to their teaching. Now, if you want to tell them about the gospel and the true freedom that Christ brings, while also telling them that in this world, you're going to deal with hardship and you're going to deal with difficulty. And guess what? If you're a true believer in Christ, you're going to wrestle with sin. It's going to be something that you wrestle with. And if you're a believer, that should comfort you because unbelievers don't wrestle with sin because they don't see it as a problem. So one of the questions I would ask Jenny is if teachers such as her can do this, why are they continuing to see the same people and more so that need deliverance from these same demons? And is this the definition of deliverance? Because as I said, she goes on to say that Jesus did this all the time and that casting out demons was a large part of his ministry, which when you look at it, it was actually not a large part of his ministry. Yes, he did do this. And I would encourage you, as I have before, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, so I don't want to backtrack, but there's other episodes that I've talked about and gone through the different verses of where there were demons dealt with. You see uh, the demon possessed being dealt with in the Gospels. That's the only place that you see that word being used, for example. And then we see two accounts, at least in the book of Acts. We don't see any further mention of it past that in the epistles. But just as an example of a reference, because you know how I love to do references, right? I have a reference here just for an example for you. There's lots of other references that are reputable, and I would just be sure that you're getting references that are reputable because uh, obviously there's resources out there that are not reputable. But this is a good one. It's, it's the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. So when I look up the word deliverance in this dictionary, this is what it says. I'm just going to read it to you because her definition of deliverance seems very limited. It does not seem like the actual definition of deliverance. This dictionary says, deliverance means rescue from danger. In scripture, God gives deliverance with references to Psalm 1850, Psalm 32.7, and Psalm 44.4, often through a human agent. In the Old Testament, deliverance most often refers to the victory in battles, citing Judges chapter 15, verse 18, 2 Kings 5.1, 2 Kings 13.17, 1 Chronicles 11.14, and 2 Chronicles 12, 7. Joseph was God's agent to deliver his people from famine. The Old Testament consistently stresses God as the giver of deliverance rather than the human agent. Thus, Mordecai warned Esther that if she failed to act out her role as deliverer, God would provide another way. Esther 4, 14. KJV also uses deliverance to describe the remnant that survives a battle or exile. Ezra chapter 9, verse 13. In KJV, both in New Testament uses of deliverance refers to release of prisoners. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Modern translations use deliverance to refer to rescue from danger in Acts 7.25 and Philippians 1.19. A deliverer is one who rescues from danger. Two of the judges, Othniel and Ehud, Judges 3, verses 19 and 15, are called deliverers in the sense of military heroes. More often, God is spoken of as the deliverer of his people. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2, Psalm 18, 2, Psalm 40, 17, and Psalm 144, verse 2. The picture of God as deliverer is paralleled with the images of a rock, fortress, helper, and strong tower. Acts 7, 35 refers to Moses as a deliverer. Romans eleven twenty six and 27 refers to the Messianic king as the deliverer who will take away Israel's sins. The verb deliver is used in a wide range of contexts. According to Job 5, verses 19 through 26, God delivers in seven ways, from famine, war, the scourge of the tongue, wild animals, to safety, abundant offspring, and long life. Scripture also speaks to deliverance from sin, Psalm 39, verse 8, and Psalm 79, verse 9. The way of evil, Proverbs 2, verse 12, the power of evil, Matthew 6, 13, Galatians 1.4 and Colossians 1.13. The law, Romans chapter 7 verse 6. The body of death, Romans chapter 7 verse 24. And the coming wrath of God, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. 
God is the agent of deliverance in Colossians 1.13 and Romans 7.24-25. Christ is the agent in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and Galatians 1.4, where he brings deliverance by giving himself for sins. And that should be the focus of the deliverance that's given to children, the gospel, the call to salvation, and continuing to share the gospel with them. I am very concerned when there is such a drastic and strong teaching and urge to to say such things to children, to place these same burdens on them that are being placed on adults and shackling these children in spiritual bondage when what they should be hearing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear the good news to their bad news. Now, that, again, may sound very strange to some people, but we need to keep this in mind. Children are born in sin. Just as David talked about in Psalm 51 when he said that he was born in iniquity and sin from his mother. Many people want to say that it was because David was illegitimate. It does not say that in the passage. That is clearly recognizing the fact that he was born into sin, just like we all are. This is the message that needs to be shared with children. And I'm going to share some resources at the end that I have personally that I would suggest to you. And obviously there's more out there, but if you're interested and you're thinking, well, you know, Dawn, I have children and I've come out of this movement. I don't know where to turn as far as what's good to give my children, how to share these things with them in a way that they would understand that's not going to dilute the gospel or pollute the gospel, but is going to present to them the clear understanding according to scripture and is going to meet them where they are at their ages and continuing to share the gospel with them. And you know what's important for for you and I to remember too is that we never graduate from the gospel. We never get past it. We never get over it. The moment that we get over the gospel as adults is, is the moment that we are going down a slippery slope away from Christ because we need to remember the gospel daily. We, and, and we are told in scripture that we are to re- come to the Lord with childlike faith. There's an innocence that comes with that, a purity that comes with that, trusting and believing who he is. And we're only given that, that faith, that gift of faith by God himself. We're granted repentance by God himself. Scripture tells us these things. So this is the message that the children need to hear is this message of the gospel, not what Jenny is saying and not what others are saying and telling them that they always need to have demons cast out of them, that if they battle anger and they battle lust and they battle rebellion and the list goes on and on and on and depression and anxiety and thoughts of harming themselves, my goodness, the answer is not go cast a demon out of yourself or have someone cast a demon out of you. The answer is the gospel. The answer is Christ. The answer is go to the word of God for encouragement for those who are in Christ. The answer is to pray. The answer is if you're in a serious situation of thinking of harming yourself, you can come to me as your parent, as your mother, and you can talk to me. Go seek help. Don't seek out these teachings. I think that this is just creating more spiritual bondage for these children, and it really is disturbing to me that such a thing is being perpetuated. Jenny goes on about close to seven minutes in, and she's going to tell these children, why does a Christian need deliverance? Why does a Christian need deliverance? Hmm. Why would a Christian need deliverance? Because we have the Holy Spirit, right? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you something? Come in really close. Here's something you probably don't know. The Bible says... Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. So we've talked about this uh, in the podcast before, but Ephesians 4.27 is another go-to passage that is used quite often in order to promote the belief that Christians can have indwelling demons, citing uh, the passage where it says in verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. Other translations say, and give no foothold. To the devil. And there are some that will say that foothold there means a geographical lo- place, a location. And even though that is a definition for it, uh, such as in the ESV, when I have it, it says, give no opportunity to the devil, 
So the, the meaning of that word here is opportunity. When it says place, it's not a geographical location such as the devil entering you because prior to that it says be angry and do not sin. Do not sin. Do not the let do not let the sun go down your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Because when you do that in anger and you don't have a righteous anger and even righteous anger, um, some Bible scholars have noted, it can turn into bitterness. It turns into bitterness. And so you're not to give into those things to give the devil an opportunity to work within that situation for you to have bitterness towards a person and cross over into sin. Again, that does not equate to don't let the devil inhabit you by being angry. Paul is telling these Christians, this is not how you were to conduct yourself. These are things that we need to take into consideration. This is a verse that she's using. And again, she's telling these young children that uh, because you can give the devil a place in your life, that you need to get him out in Jesus' name. The gospel was not even presented to begin with. So here's another question I want to pose to you. Matthew 12, 43 through 45 is used quite often, quite often in this movement. And Matthew 12, 43 through 45, let me just uh, refresh your memory on this. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, this is Jesus talking, and this is after he has been accused by the Pharisees of casting a demon out of a man by the, by the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus warns them about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But he goes on in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43, and he says this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Well, notice here, this is pre-Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit is sent to those who will believe in him and have trust and trust in him for everlasting life. This is before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about someone who does not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this person has a, a, uh, their house, quote, house, swept and empty and put in order. And this could very well be referencing the religious people of that time, the Pharisees, who were looking upon themselves and thinking that they have it all put together and in order because of their religious beliefs. But he refers to them in, in verse 45 about it's the same with this evil and adulterous generation. It's a house that's swept empty, empty, and put in order. And the demon comes back after going into dry, waterless places and finding nowhere to rest, comes back to its house that it decides to come back to and bring seven more spirits with it. Here is a very serious question I want to ask. These children are not being presented the gospel. So what happens when you have someone that you're telling them, we're going to cast demons out of you, they're not born again, and they do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and you cast demons out of them? Is it not possible that you are going to leave them in a far worse state than you found them? And that is something that these deliverance ministers need to seriously consider, not just teaching this to children, which... I f again, I find this egregious that they're doing this and might as well tie a millstone around their neck and have them cast into the ocean. Has this not been a consideration that they have admitted? Uh, Pagani has admitted, I've mentioned before, that half of the people coming for deliverance are not born again. And yet their doctrine on this rests on the fact that it's the children's bread and that deliverance is for Christians, not for unbelievers. Well, if you're casting alleged demons out of unbelievers, then you're leaving them in a state far worse than how you found them or how they came to you. This is not just um, a simple spat over a secondary issue. When you're making this a primary issue and you're telling people, if you don't cast demons out of born-again believers, then you're not preaching the full gospel, then... I would say that you're preaching another gospel by saying such a thing. And that's a dangerous thing to be doing. And it's not honoring Christ. We're not honoring Christ by doing this. These kids need to hear the gospel. And I, and I am very passionate about this. I have two children of my own, and I know the, the dangers and the damage of this movement and being in it myself and some of the 
the beliefs that I had, even when my daughter was young and we were still involved in this movement and the, and the twisted thoughts that I had and the beliefs that I had and, and being very thankful that our children are no longer subjected to this nonsense, that they are actually hearing the word of God being ministered. They're hearing prophecy, the word of God go forth. And that's sufficient. And that's sufficient enough to save my children. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. I pray for my children, and I share the gospel with them. I want them to hear the truth of the word, but I can't save them. There's no amount of praying. There's no matter walking the floor, no amount of trying to speak in an ecstatic utterance. There is nothing like that that is going to set my children free. What is going to set them free and what they need the most is to hear the testimony of Jesus Christ in accordance with the word of God. And I can be sure that God is faithful to save those who are his. He is faithful to call those whom he would call and that they would answer and put their faith and trust in him. And that's where my faith rests and my hope rests in him because I know he's faithful to do that. As Jenny goes on, she gives an example in a Christian's life because she tells the children, just so you know that what I'm telling you is in the Bible. She says, a, an example that a, a, a Christian can have an indwelling demon is found in the woman with infirmity that uh, is called the daughter of Abraham. Again, I've talked about that before. You can listen to that on another episode if you like. I have a whole playlist. If you're interested, if you're not interested, it's okay. But she says this is why Christians need deliverance because of this one verse. Now, there are two passages in, in the Gospels that talk about children uh, being possessed by demons and needing deliverance from these demons in that capacity. Uh, one of the ones is found in Luke chapter 9 with the boy that uh, was, the, the disciples were unable to cast the demon out of this young boy that was being thrown into the fire and had uh, epilepsy is what the, the thought is. And Jesus was able to cast that demon out. The other example is with the Gentile woman, the Canaanite or the Syrophoenician woman with the daughter that was possessed. And that is the well-known passage where Jesus refers to deliverance being the children's bread, which again, he's talking in reference to Israel and the salvation that is being brought to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're also seeing God's grace and mercy on display while also seeing what would come. There would be Gentiles that would come to saving faith in Christ. And because again of these passages, Jenny says that deliverance is for God's people. The que another question that comes up, is this prescriptive for all children? to need demons cast out of them. If deliverance is only for believers, how does she know that all the children watching her are born again? I, I don't know if she's considered that or not, but for one thing, taking these verses like this that are descriptive and creating a doctrine out of them, and also considering the fact that you don't know, uh, because if these children have not heard the gospel, let alone from you, then how do you know that they're born again? She tells the kids that they are to go to people who do deliverance and believe in the name of Jesus. So essentially she's saying you need to avoid people that don't do deliverance the way I'm teaching you. And if they do deliverance, they truly believe in the name of Jesus. So there is a distinction. There are people in this movement that will make claims and they'll say deliverance is not a primary doctrinal issue. And yet with the statement that she makes to these children and telling them they are to go to people who do deliverance and believe in the name of Jesus... She has already made it a primary doctrinal foundational issue because essentially she would look at people like myself and others who would question her teachings and her practices, and she would say, we are not true believers. We have a religious spirit. We're Pharisees. We don't have the Holy Spirit. We're hypercritical, and we should not be trusted because we don't believe in the name of Jesus because we don't practice things the way that, that she does or others do, but yet it's not a primary issue according to them. So... I would consider it a primary issue because of the teachings and because I know the damage that it does and I know what they're saying because they're saying that is the full gospel and that is, a, that is not the full gospel when you, when you t say that teaching. But I'm saying this from a perspective of what she's presenting is not the gospel. This is works-based salvation is what this is. And this is shackling these children. It's shackling them. Uh, she's training kids to do this in core kids. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize that. She's training these children. She's not the only one. There are others, Daniel Adams, uh, th these others uh, that believe this. They are training these children to cast demons out of other children. 
She tells these children that demons come out in Jesus' name. She also tells them that they need to have a relationship with Jesus, which means reading the Bible and talking to Jesus. But she doesn't share the gospel with them. And the question I would ask, and I think that you'll know the answer to this, how does one have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I know that Jenny and others, they view you being able to hear the voice of God for yourself, to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you on a regular basis as a barometer or a measuring stick as to your your deep relationship with God. And so Jenny believes that if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, then you need to put aside everything you're trying to do and you need to get in the secret place and you need to hear the voice of God for yourself because his sheep hear his voice. You know, John 10, 27, which, you know, sometimes it's, it's repetitive, but we need to hear it uh, in order to get it. But John 10, 27 is not a prescriptive verse for you to say, I can hear the voice of God for myself. That is an effectual call of salvation in John 10, 27. She also tells the children to use strong prayers because that is what Jesus did. But I just want to point out to you, Jesus didn't pray to cast out demons. He's God. He cast them out because he had the authority and the power to do so. And when you see even the apostles doing this, they did not pray. It was a command. So there is a big difference in that between commanding and praying. Praying is supplicating. Praying is petitioning God, asking God. So that is what prayer is. The fact that she's telling these children that you don't want to pray little prayers that look weak because she kind of uses this little soft, meek voice to say, oh, well, devil, you know, just leave me alone. And, and you know, I, I, I pray and ask God that you would just leave me alone. She views that as weak. I mean, Scripture shows us over and over again how weak we are and that we are to rely on the strength of God in our weakness. It's not about you being strong. It's about you trusting in the one who makes you strong in your weakness. Again, misleading the children and telling them that Jesus didn't pray to cast out demons. Well, he didn't because he's God. And the last time I checked, I am not Jesus and neither is she and she wouldn't claim to be. There is this teaching, though, that that is it's being ignored when it's said at about 16 minutes in. Uh, Jenny tells the kids that they are to be a weapon that the devil fears. And so that's that's the focus that she wants them to have. She wants them to have this focus of the devil fears you. When we begin to make the teaching and the doctrine man-centered or woman-centered or self-centered, and Christ is at the periphery, and that he has taken a hands-off approach, essentially, and he's given us all power and authority— and that the devil fears us. Y- y- y'all know this. You know when you were in this movement that, that, that there's this s- strong temptation that you have in this pompous and arrogant way that you look at yourself that's indoctrinated into you. Well, when I wake up, bless God, when my feet hit the floor, the devil fears me because I'm awake and I'm his worst nightmare. I'm going to tell you something. You are not the devil's worst nightmare. You're not. And the moment that you begin to think of yourself like that, you are taking on a Luciferian mindset because you are exalting yourself just as Satan would have you do so, that you are agreeing with that type of nature. You're agreeing with that type of of way of thinking that you would exalt yourself to the place that God is. Satan fears no one but God. Satan does not fear another created being. He fears the one who created him. And we must keep that in perspective and keep that in the right order. So as she's telling them this, she begins to decree and declare over them and to do deliverance on children there and encouraging to stretch their hands towards the TV screen or their phone or whatever. And she begins to command the spirit of rebellion to go to the abyss. I want you to hear this. And then I want to pose, as always, some questions to you. And then before we go today, I want to share a couple of resources with you that maybe have helped for you and your children as you talk and share the gospel with them. You are a weapon. You are armed and you are dangerous now to the devil. And so why don't you begin to lift your hands? Come on, come up to the screen right now. 
as close as you can. Lift your hands to the screen. Lift your hands up. We're going to pray right now as I feel the presence of the Lord moving even now. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit touching you right where you are. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father God, that you are equipping these kids right now to move in the authority of Jesus Christ. I thank you that deliverance is hitting homes right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that kids are being delivered right now of any demons that have been coming against their purpose, their calling, and their mind. In the mighty name of Jesus, we command every demon, get out right now. Go in the name of Jesus. Witchcraft, go in the name of Jesus. Fear and perversion, rage, go in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, go. Spirit of rebellion, get out. Go to the abyss and never return again in the mighty name of Jesus. So she cast these demons into the abyss according to her. Do we ever see the apostles in the Bible doing this? The ones that were given delegated authority by Christ. Christ who has all authority and all power. As he stated in Matthew 28, he had been given all power and authority. And so he delegated and they were under his authority to go and to do the things he told them to do to make disciples of nations, to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaim, preach the word, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you recall any apostles in scripture, the apostles of Christ, casting demons into the abyss? Where do we see this? Uh, another thing I want to mention to you, what is rebellion? It's sin, right? Sin is rebellion against God. It is disobedience to what God has commanded to do. And so can that be cast out of people? What is the solution to that? I'm going to let you think about that <laughs> and consider what scripture has to say about that. I mean, even when people in this movement like to quote the, the passage in the Old Testament where Samuel is rebuking King Saul, he has disobeyed God and that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So uh, witchcraft is not said to be a demonic spirit. It is a sin. These things are dealt with through the gospel, through the finished work of Christ on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the call to repent and believe. Now, renunciation is not the same thing as repentance. And you'll hear some of these people that will say in these movements, make a list. Catherine Crick is really big on this. Make a list. And I, I don't know if they're getting these kids to do this or not. But they're telling people, make a list of these things that would you like to renounce anything? Renunciation and repentance are not the same thing. Repentance brings transformation. Renunciation could simply produce worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow for sin, not contrition, not brokenness for sin. What our children need to hear is the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ, the truth about why Jesus came and why they need salvation. And if you're wondering where some of these belief systems have come from, I can tell you. There is a well-known book called Pigs in the Parlor. It's not the only book out there that, that a lot of these deliverance ministers have gleaned from over the years. But Pigs in the Parlor was a, a very popular book and continues to be in these belief systems. It's called The Practical Guide to Deliverance. The authors of this were Frank and Ida Mae Hammond. I also did a, this a couple years ago. I went through this entire book and I... D ended up uploading it to my YouTube channel, but I went through this book chapter by chapter and covered some of the things and discussed it. Chapter 14 in this book is called Ministry to Children. And in this, they provide no scripture whatsoever. I'm not kidding. They do not provide scripture uh, to back up their teachings about children needing deliverance. They simply provide personal anecdotal stories and experience and there's also no talk that children are sinners. And they, and they say in here, since it has already been shown that demon spirits are able to gain entrance to a fetus and to children, that's on page 24 of the book, that it is obvious that there should be deliverance for them. You heard Jennifer LeClaire mention that, that demons can enter even in, even in utero. And, and it can be because if your mother rejected you, that she didn't really want a child, that a spirit of rejection enters you in your mother's womb. Says nowhere in the Bible. So now these myths are being created. This mythology is being created about 
people. And so you're not even safe in your mother's womb, which is where you're supposed to be safe when you're growing. Um, and, and God is forming you and knitting your body together. Now you're not even safe in there away from demonic strongholds. But the Hammonds taught this, and, and they talked about that children are quite easily delivered. And since the spirits have not been there very long, they are not as deeply embedded in the flesh. Really? Says where? Again, in Scripture. So they're speaking from personal experience and from their own beliefs. They talk about in here about a young Christian couple bringing their three-month-old child for ministry, and that this was their first baby, and they had disagreed as to how to discipline the child. And that because they had a violent argument, that there was a tormenting spirit that came on the child. They talk about a little four-year-old girl having to come for deliverance ministry. They go on to teach about, um, again, blaming the parents. It is not the responsibility of the child, but of his parents or guardians. So they're blaming the parents and saying they've allowed demons to enter their children. And they give this story of the most graphic thing that happened was a child that was six years old, a six-year-old girl coming for deliverance, and that she had demons of fear in her body, and that she accepted the words with simple childlike faith. Um, and they go on to talk about how they ministered to her. There is even talk about having to physically restrain her, that they wrapped their legs around her to get her to hold still, and commanding all these demons to come out of her, and that she had been tormented uh, before she was born. I mean, just all these things, getting her to commanding these demons of self-will, stubbornness, mad madness, mental illness, and insanity to come out and called for the spirit of schizophrenia to come out. There's a chapter in here, by the way, this divine revelation that uh, Ida Mae Hammond allegedly got about the spirit of schizophrenia and the of a, of a diagram that she made that had to go along with this. And so th this just goes on. It's, it's quite disturbing to read it. And she said that she threw up a large ball of slime and that she was delivered after that. So again, they appeal to no scripture, none in that chapter. And they even have their a separate book on children's deliverance that they've written. And they're like I said, they're not the only ones. But I, I want you to be aware that Jenny has and others have not come up with these teachings on their own. They have gleaned from these teachings from decades ago. And the other things, too, as, as we're closing out, these are some things I want you to think about and, and some questions I ask myself as I'm listening to some of these things. When you think about Catherine Crick and she's counting to this, chi this child's demon, alleged demon, on the count of three, and that's her MO. She likes to count. Yeah, I count to my three-year-old. I don't count. I, I can't imagine counting to demons. Jesus didn't do this. The apostles didn't do this. Uh, th this is how I discipline my three-year-old. I'm going to count, and if you don't do what I tell you, this is what's going to happen. So this, and then magically, this is what happens at the count of three. And and even in the video I mentioned in the beginning with the baby, when the baby stopped crying, when she said three, because she counted to three, the baby was crying during the whole video. And as soon as she says three, the, the crying stops. And everybody, including her, they count that as a miracle and saying that was the sign that the baby was delivered of a demon. Did Jesus break off generational curses? Why did Jesus cast out demons? I want to refer you to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The reason why the apostle John wrote the gospel of John was to testify of Christ and to show that all the things that happened, all the signs and wonders that happened that Jesus did, they were to show that he was the Messiah and to show to others so that they would believe. What should children be learning in Sunday school? I'll tell you what they shouldn't be learning. They shouldn't be learning a curriculum where the, where the devil is the focus. They should not be learning in a curriculum where they're being told to color in the objects that they need to remove from their home that could be tied to demons. They don't need to be learning in Sunday school how to cast the demon of witchcraft out of themselves, how to cast the spirit of lust out of themselves, how to cast the spirit of anger out of themselves. What these children need to hear is they need to have proper biblical discipleship. They need a solid Sunday school that's going to teach them about Jesus Christ. That's going to point them back to the truth of the word of God and what they need to hear every single time that they're in the building. I, I want you to consider the things that have been said today. And remember that children need the gospel because children are sinners. Our children are sinners. They are born with a sinful nature. They are not born saved. No matter how, there is an innocence to them because they don't know things where they're young. 
they are still sinners. I mean, I can see in that in my children when they're young as toddlers, I can see it even still today. But those of us who have young children, you see your your child throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of a store, see them acting out in anger. That's sin. When they don't get what they want and they don't get their way, that's sin. That's not a demon that needs to be cast out, my friend. You have the remedy. You have the solution as a believer in Christ, as a parent who follows Jesus Christ, who has been saved from the wrath of God. You have been equipped with what you need to share with your child, and it is in the Word of God. And it is powerful enough, and it is sufficient enough to save your children. Children are delivered in the same way as we are as adults by hearing the gospel and being granted repentance by God. Now, in closing, I want to share three resources with you that I have that I have utilized with my children because you may be asking, well, I don't know what what to share with them. Well, here's a few ideas for you. The first one is this book by Marty Mikowski. It's called Theology, Ancient Truths Ever New. And what I like about this book is that it's very simple to read and we can go through and that breaks it down into different sections. So it says the theology, but it's theology. And there's different sections. Theology of God, theology of people, theology of sin, theology of the promise and the law, theology of Christ, theology of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to talk about these, these very things of what they need to hear. They get to learn about sin in here. What is sin? What does that look like in accordance with Scripture? And some practical analogies to go along with it. Satan's first temptation. How sin entered the world through Adam. That sin always brings judgment. But there's a God's promise of salvation that comes. So I would encourage this book. The second book I would encourage you to get. I was gifted this uh, for Christmas by my good friend and sister in Christ, Emily Massey. But this book is by Sinclair Ferguson. It's called The Big Book of Questions and Answers About Jesus. So this takes you through a simple lesson. I'm doing this with my daughter right now and incorporating it into homeschool. So each week we take on a different question about Jesus. And so it asks questions about why was Jesus baptized? What was special about Jesus? What was Jesus like when he was young? Um, What did Jesus say God is like? So there's lots of questions in here. What will Jesus do in the future? Is Jesus still dead? You're going to be able to talk to them and show them things in Scripture in a simplistic way and leading them back to the truth of the Word and back to the Gospel. And this final book, I know that some people have strong feelings about John MacArthur because because of the charismatic movement and what some people uh, believe about him because of his stance against the, the things that happen within the charismatic movement that are not honoring God. Uh, this book, he it's a children's book by him. It's called I Believe in Jesus, Leading Your Child to Christ. And my pastor had told me about this. And so this is something I've been able to read with my daughter, has verses in it, and it, it's simplistic, and it takes them through the gospel. Because my daughter has been asking, and she's eight, about being water baptized. And that's not something I take lightly, and I don't think we should take that lightly. And so I, I'm making sure that we're sharing the gospel with her and that she is continuing to grow in an understanding of that and continuing to pray about that situation. Uh, Because again, I don't just want to water baptize her and make it into some sort of spectacle to share, but there's a a heavy sobriety and a significance with that, along with a joy um, of what comes with understanding of water baptism. And that's no different for children either. As always, I hope that this episode has been helpful. I know that it's challenging to talk about things like this, I'm not going to lie, when talking about children's deliverance, this is probably one of those things that kind of pushes my buttons because I'm seeing children that don't understand, and they're young, and they're very immature, and they're being led astray into these things. And uh, it's no different. This has been a, a thing going on for decades of going after the young generation because they're naive, and they're vulnerable in believing things that are taught to them. And just like the world knows that if you can capture a child at a young age and indoctrinate them with certain beliefs, then there are these movements that believe the same thing. And they want the the kids to perpetuate this and children's minds are moldable. And that's why we need to be more diligent in sharing the truth with our children and protecting them. If you want to be a good parent, a godly parent, 
get in the word with them every day, get in their business every day, be there with them, uh, encourage them, challenge them with the word, share the gospel with them, remind them of the good news of Jesus Christ. Show them when you sin and you fall short of the glory of God. You want to be a good role model for them. Show them what it looks like to be both saint and sinner at the same time. I'm not saying go and sin, but I'm saying when you do sin, show the maturity of what God is doing in you and your sanctification and model that in front of your children. Don't model in front of them that you need demons cast out of you every time that you have a meltdown because someone cuts you off in traffic. You need to model to them what sanctification looks like in accordance with scripture and show them how beautiful repentance is how merciful and gracious God is to allow us to come to him, that his kindness brings us to repentance. It truly does. And that we don't want to be like the Romans and be rebuked because we're taking that for granted. So please take the things that we've talked about and consider them. And if you have people that are believing some things like this, maybe this will help you to strike up a conversation and to ask some thoughtful things to them, not argue with them, give them a a chance to reconsider the danger and the damage that this could be doing to their children and to themselves if they believe in these practices. I've enjoyed my time with you, even though it's a, it's a, uh, a heavy topic and can be daunting at times, but I've, but nevertheless, I've enjoyed our time today. And I look forward to being with you again as we cover another topic. Until that time, my friend, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesubscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.